rocking around the Christmas tree. Have a happy Big Mac sack. Oh, boy, Greg Sharp. that uh, Santa's Big Mac sack was filled with goodies for you, <laughs> your loved ones, your yeah. family, your friends, yeah. and for you, Nicholas Allen Baugh. Yes. I hope the Jolly St. Nick had a giant sack. A giant Big Mac sack. Oh, it's uh, ha- you know, Happy belated <laughs> Christmas to everybody out there. Happy holidays to everybody out there. We're taping this. It's December 26th. You know, we got the the Christmas hangover. It's like you. It's the bit you always reference of like what. Uh, once Christmas ends, you like snap out of because you get into it, man. And then once oh, the, God, the yeah. when the twenty six, you're like, what? What is it? What happened? There's. I mean, I came downstairs today. There is crap everywhere. <laughs> there, like, you know what I mean? There's so many boxes everywhere. There's things everywhere. It's just like a bomb went off in right. our house. You know, I am big on Christmas music. December 26th, it stops. <laughs> yeah. I'm big on going to see Christmas lights. December 26th, I don't want to see anymore. I'd, I'd rather take mine off. Like, it's just, especially when December 26th falls on a Monday. It's back to work. You don't even get a chance. Right. Like, the buildup was, like, weeks. I know. And then the denouement was, like, uh, you know, got about eight minutes. That That's over. it. A great usage of denouement, by the way. We're, like, two minutes Thank in, you. and you've, you've, yeah, you hit the, a fantastic word. <laughs> um, no, you're right. I it's Even for me today, like... I was all in on like any chance to watch a Christmas movie and all that stuff. Like today, no, no, I'm not. I I got no interest in in another Christmas movie. Just none. We started. Know. We started. It's a Wonderful Life last night. Made about a third of the way through. It's a meaty movie, long movie. It is a long one, and it got to be. Yeah, we got to be about ten thirty. And and Beckett's like, can I go to bed now? And when the youngest kid says, "Can I go to bed?" and he's watching it, you know. Yes. And then. And I, I turned to I turned to Cohen, who's sitting next to me, and I go, "This movie feels a lot longer, doesn't it?" He's like, "It feels a lot longer." That feels quite a bit longer. Doesn't yeah, it feels it? a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> Only you can work in a Bo Pelini, Dave Malone golf lesson to you and your son's conversation about a wonderful life on Christmas night. That's it. You are on fire, Denouement, and then quite a a pull to, to but it works perfect. I tell you what, for me. Okay, hold on though. When you watch a wonderful life, it's a wonderful life. I tried to watch it on cable. Dog, that movie on mm. cable is long. Oh, that's four. That's four hours. Yes, four hours I mean it is life. three plus. Long. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's long, uh, it's people. It's long. <laughs> <laughs> this is wrong, people. Wrong. 7.35 left in the game. We're taking one as well. I'm fed up. This is Big Red Football. This is long, people. Long. An hour and a half before Clarence comes down to visit. This is this is his wonderful life. It's time for bed. This is wrong, people. Wrong. 7.35 left in the game. Yep. We're taking one as well. I'm fed up. Uh, this is Big Red Football. That's, that captures my emotions perfectly. Trying to watch. I was like, yeah, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get through it. It was hard. It was long, people. I mean, I got fed up a couple of times. And it's hard. That movie is just fan- it's, per- it's like the perfect movie. Every <sighs> scene is great. Every scene is good. There's something there every yes. scene. But 
You know, you got to start. And I always do the It's a Wonderful Life math. I'm like, well, it's 8 o'clock. <laughs> no way we're getting through this. And yeah. Like, if we don't start this by 7, nah. this thing's not happening tonight. So, right? so one thing that's good about Home Alone, Home Alone moves. <laughs> I mean, by, by the first, I watched Home Alone on cable, but dog, Kevin was home alone before the first Christmas, before the first commercial break. They went to the first break. That boy was already alone, boy. I was like, yes. Seriously, that he is. That movie moves quick. It does. It does. And I'm glad you made the comparison of two movies that are often compared in terms of <laughs> storytelling, plot, everything. I do it's love true. those side note like, to get to get sentimental yeah. for a second. I do love the 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 conversation between Kevin and I think it is his name Mar- old man Marley in the church in is, the church yes we is, I just saw that last week it's it a great is it's sneaky genius it's genius it's got the it's it's got such good big picture perspective and on things with enough childlike perspective and humor interjected into it it is it, it's even Marley's old line, you could be a little old for, you know, because Kevin's like, no offense, but aren't you a, a, too old to be afraid? He said, you could be a little old for a lot of things. You can never be too old to be afraid. I'm like, dang, this dude. And then the analogy right. of the basement and going down that, like, it's just like, God, I was watching that with, I was, I was watching, I was like, man, this is, as you get older, you like, that's a scene I used to be like, yeah, well, you don't talk to him. He'll eat. Remember, he killed his, he killed everybody and he it's. Uses his victims to salt the streets. Like Buzz says, get away from him. Kevin, get enough on your plate. Harry and Marv are coming tonight. The last thing you need is Marley on your ass. It's funny they use Marley because Marley was the name of uh, Scrooge's uh, cohort in uh, Christmas Carol. That's has to be right. why they use Marley. That, it has right? to be it. That has to, I have to assume that's why. It's a great scene. There is a, there's a Reddit thread out there about how uh, old man Marley is actually Kevin from the future. <laughs> what? <laughs> yes. Is this Back to the Future Part 4? Yeah. you got to go yeah, back and uh, save Kevin. Media. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense. you got to go back and save yourself somehow, some way. I don't know. It's great, though. He winds up, he winds up living alone, you know, mm-hmm. in the end. Right. But then, you know, family's there for Christmas. The, the other couple anyway. thing, couple things about Home Alone real quick. Um, first of all, it, incredible. Kevin had quite the cleanup job. So, Oof. he, you know, Marley, you know, Marley hits the, the wet bandits. They get arrested. He goes home. I love how Marley's like, all right, well, see you later. And in the morning, the, the house is spotless when Kevin's mom comes back. So quite the cleanup job. The other thing, why couldn't Kevin's mom have just rented a car? When she was in, those are those are things that have long since been forgotten and unexplained. There's no question about it. And it's really unfortunate that Kevin's mom goes through all this crazy travel, and her family arrives five minutes after she walked in the front door. And I've also said this: she didn't. They're such hermits. Yes. They didn't know any of the neighbors, so she couldn't call any neighbors. No. To go check on him, right? They were all the whole streets out of town. And the other thing, you can't make that movie today because of cell phones, smartphones, tablets, Doesn't ring work. cameras, Nest cameras. Doesn't you work. You can't make that movie today. Like, <laughs> I intentionally leave my kids alone and go overseas. You, uh, that's right. Home Alone would, I mean, it would have lasted five seconds in, in nowadays. <laughs> but even the scene, 
the scene where Kevin he he takes the what's the word, the zip line into the treehouse and he's like I'm gonna call the cops and it's like and you know Marv is like he's gonna call the cops it's like what from a treehouse come on like it's like well yeah it's just they called a cell phone. Right. He could call the cops from his treehouse right outside of his house. But back in the day, we were like, that's right. He's in a treehouse. It's literally impossible to call anybody from a treehouse. You know what I mean? Should we do anything about him? Don't worry about it. He's in a treehouse. There's no way. There's no way. I don't see any, I don't see any cords. No cords connected to the treehouse. Right? But no, I just, the, why his ma has, because they were just where they were in. They were in Scranton, I think. That's where they were in Scranton, I believe. That's where the the polka 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 guys took over. But that's right. That's right. I, I I mean, acted like she had no prayer of getting home. And this guy offered, like, "Hey, you want to get in? Here's ten guys that are going to play polka music while you're chasing. You're get, trying to get home to find your son that you left behind and, and sit in a van." And Kate and the mom never calls the house, does she? I don't believe Did so. Did she ever call the house? I don't believe so. But didn't? Because they lost power, but did that affect the phone lines? I don't know. They never I I just I didn't think they ever called home. Because Kevin's phone works cuz he called 911 before he ran upstairs. You know, he's like my Mur- Yes, my address is 650 Lincoln Boulevard. My house is being robbed. This is Murphy, by the way. Like so he called so his the phone was working then. There's a lot of holes in the movie, but let's not worry about that cuz I love that movie, okay? But to land the plane, the church scene, Kevin, old man Marley, great scene. It's a great scene. So good. There was a there's a, <laughs> a page also eight reasons why the McAllisters are the worst parents ever. As if you need like a list. There's one thing they left him at home. They alone. left him at home. Like that's it. But uh, some of the reasons are they let their kid have a pet tarantula. Why is that such a bad thing? Uh, I mean that's I mean that's it's weird. But li- you know, I like this one. It happens again. Oh yeah, there's a Home Alone too. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's that's yeah. That's true. That's true. Yeah, we'll the fact that it happened twice, not good. Not good at all. Um, yeah, Christmas good. Yeah, you good. know, what are you going to do? Yeah, it's good. Everything's good. Everything is everything is fantastic. But again, we're at, I mean, it's weird to talk. Like, now it's the 26th. Yeah, we snapped out of it. it. I don't even want to, I'm, I'm done with it. I'm, I'm done. Let's let's get to a holiday that's worth talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with you. Let's, let's, get a, let's get somebody who asks a question that's worth answering. Well, I got a question that's worth answering. Has Dion reached out to you since you have become like the you, – you, I got to assume Dion is very happy with how you have oh, – oh, you're doing it, boy. Oh, you got, got the, the shades on. I mean, got the shades you got the shades on. For people that don't know, there is an infamous photo that has, has made the rounds because you put on – Sunglasses. What all? Well, give us a, what all? Let me pull up the photo on, here. So you had. Well, I put on my uh, Colorado hat. Yes, it was a hat and, and sunglasses. These, and these flat, like these are, you can't buy these anymore. No, I, mean, I was going to say, just, where did you get those? These those are from are the incredible. future. Yes. These are from the future. Right. And um, so I put them on, and I put them on during a um, talk back with Tom Van Heron. So I put them on while it was on the single shot of TVH, and then it comes back to the two box. And I was so encouraged by T- Tom Lugman. I was like, oh, yeah, do it. And Harry Douglas, like, yeah, yeah. So I put it on. <laughs> and then they couldn't, like, Luganbill couldn't couldn't focus. I bet he couldn't. And then Craig, Craig Hobbert then, six minutes later, I'm doing a talk back with Craig Hobbert, and Hobbert goes, hey, if he's, if, uh, if Dion is prime time, you're nap time. Wow. And I was like, how long you had that in the whole That is good. It was good, though. It was good. Craig Hobbert, what more can you tell us about what 
what CU is doing here with Coach Prime. It's going to be really fascinating to watch. Yeah, first off, the hat was not the problem with that entire thing. <laughs> And if Deion Sanders is prime time, you're nap time. All right, there's a big difference <laughs> wow, okay. between you two. I've been keeping that in the whole spot. <laughs> <laughs> this entire segment. All right, I was like, please come to me because I gotta, I gotta bash on Schick here for a little bit. But uh, yeah, Dave Platty sent me a text during right after it happened. He said, "Hey, nice work. You need to update your hat because the hat I had is like 15 years old." Have they updated like, hey, the this- buff? Have they updated the logo? Is it a more you know? They've done that with Billy Blue Jay. You know, the Billy Blue... I mean, yeah. this logo is like this, you know, yeah, it's just I not... Mean, really? You know, that? Well, you know, it's just an old hat. Yeah. It's just an old hat. It's not like what Dion's wearing. You know, if, De- if this were the hat, Dion never would have taken the job. That's you know? true. So, that is true. But sometimes so, anymore, you got that old school... Like, when you got the old... Like, that's a sign you'd be like, I've been, I've been riding with them for a long time. Look, it's got corn cob stains on it. That's what it is, you know? It's, it's been a long time. But uh, he said, you need to update your hat. I said, well, you know, it sounds like more of a you problem than a me problem. <laughs> right. So so gave my address, and hopefully, and I said, hey, I got four young kids, too. And I was getting greedy. I'm like, I'm going to get greedy here. Send me some kids stuff, because it's all Nebraska stuff at the house. It's all Nebraska stuff. I know. We need some CU stuff. You, you know, I, some- I just feel like you've shared the stage with Dion. The stage is at his biggest, bright, at its lightest. You were on a panel with him. You, I feel you guys are. He, you're a CU grad. He's not the head coach there. There's too much there for you two to not eventually be more than just acquaintances. More than just hey, yeah. One time I did a thing with that guy. Like you guys, hey, Dion. We are on. We were on a panel. You are on a panel. <laughs> this would all land with him. I think you need to do it. Yeah, I got to get back there. I got to get back there and. Uh... Rekindle the professional relationship. Yes, you so, do. We'll how long ago but, was that? Uh, how long ago was it when you you shared the stage with Dion? What was the last time you crossed paths with Dion? It would have been the winter before he took the job at Jackson State. So September 2020. So this would have been January of 2020. Wow, so that's not that long ago at all. Yeah, yeah. Less than three years. I mean, so I good listen, shape. Listen, uh, if Colorado... The people, the brass, everybody. If you guys, we listen, we have the brass at Nebraska listens to this show. It's only appropriate that you do too. You need to get on the horn, get Shake and Dion together, one way or another. We need to remember that brass. <laughs> so, so, no, it's not, I like it. I like it. But we did talk a little uh, Nebraska on the show. Yeah. What you? What was? The, what was the take on the signing day show? Quite the surge. So quite the Serge Ibaka in the recruiting rankings. It's a really good Serge Ibaka. He was not <laughs> blocked by any recruits. That's right. An amazing Serge Ibaka. <laughs> Started the days in like the 50s or the 60s, right? It wasn't like a, I mean, how many Serge? It has to be the biggest Serge Ibaka from, in the history of signing day. It was like the reverse of like, you know, uh, winter weather in Nebraska. Like the morning started in the 50s. Right. And, and plummeted. And it dropped, you know, to the 20s. Yeah. By the end of the day. That's right. The midday. Um, no, I, th- I thought it was very impressive. I it was very impressive. Um, there's really no uh, nitpicky you could do with it. And just that's as good as they could have possibly done. Really. I would think uh, so. Short of Nick Saban being the coach. There's really nothing else they could have done. Yeah, it was what, excellent. So was number excellent. one recruiting class in the West, fifth best in the Big Ten. In all reality, I feel like they'll never really be able to, and maybe never is a strong word, but like are they ever, will, will Nebraska ever have a better recruiting class than Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State? Is it just uh, I think, possible? Maybe not Ohio I, State. 
I think they could with Michigan only because of the fact that if if this year's any indication, Michigan did not get a big bounce from their playoff run. Like they finished outside the top ten, as more top fifteen, but they were really big in the portal. And these class rankings are all about high school prospects. So, you know, Nebraska by and large, year over year, you would hope is going to be ninety to ninety five percent high school recruiting. So you wonder if if that would be an opportunity there, but I it's hard to see that happen consistently. I think they'd be no higher than fourth on a on a regular basis. Yeah, I think would be attainable, right. realistic. No, but I'm with you though. To, to I mean, all things considered, I think signing day went about as good as possible for Matt Rule. It did, and and yeah. I tell you what, his press conference, he is a guy that I will either like my excitement about him will dwindle. Or I'll maybe not be too fired up about decisions that he made, whether it's retaining Donovan Rola or hiring uh, Tony White, um, whatever. And then he gets up there and he talks, and I'm like, I he sucks me back in, and I'm all in on him. It's we, it's it's amazing. Told you you'd like him. Oh, I told you you'd like him. I guess I, it's just I was like, yeah, this guy, all this lip service about the line, then you retain rail, all this lip service, <laughs> and you're gonna run a three three five. Okay, I I've had enough of you. Then he gets up there and he's like, listen, I'm not saying we're gonna run a three three five. I was like, oh my lord. He was like, listen, Rail and I, we learned from the same guy. I like this vibe, you know, blah blah. And then Donovan Dylan decommit. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just he wins me over every time he gets in front of the with the with the podium. My- Matt Rule and I are going to get married on top of a mountain. Veronica and I are going to get married on top of a mountain. We are. I am calling divorce, my divorce lawyer in between time. <laughs> and then when he talks, I am ready to, like, renew my vows and confess Okay, my I love. thought you meant you were leaving Kim for Matt, which I get. Because yeah, well, he listen, is, you know, he's outstanding. I even think Kim would understand. Like, listen to this press conference. You tell me you, don't, you wouldn't leave me for him? I mean, come on. <laughs> Golly. The shoe is on the other foot, right? right. I would it. understand. Listen, I'm just telling you I would understand. That's, and I'd be happy about it, but I'd understand. <laughs> no, it's uh, He's good. And it's after, it's like after the past five years, you go, ah, that's what it sounds like. Right. That's what, you know, a CEO casting a vision, yeah. you know, explain, you know what I mean? Like, y- yeah. you're right. You'd, you'd be at Big Ten Media Days, you'd be like, all right, and then you'd hear every other coach and go, "Why can't we sound like that?" Right, you know. Right. But here now, you've got the guy who controls the pulpit, great orator, great recruiter, right. we hope, good developer, talent. So, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think you got to feel uh, you got to feel pretty good about it. And I think um, it was smart. The other thing, real quick, and then we'll move on. Yeah. The other thing I think was smart. I think he probably knew. Okay, he, in a couple of weeks, it's hard to realistically go. You're you are like we're saying. You're handcuffed with how much you can do in the recruiting world in just three weeks. So I, I do think, not to say that he didn't he did it disingenuously or didn't do it because he didn't believe it, but I think one thing that was smart that he did is like, you know what we're going to do is we are going to go all in on local. Like a huge part of what we're going to do to get in the good graces of people, build up equity, not suck up. That's not the right way to put it. But like he, I feel like this recruiting class was like, we're going to get guys that ran 10-3 or they are in the 402. That's, That's it. That's right. And if they're both great, d- d- even better. And they got two of them that basically are like yeah. that, you know? But right. that I feel like he was like, "How can we let's go take some swings on some speed guys and then let's go just get some 
Nebraska, South Dakota dudes and keep them here. Nebraska and other states, no fan base will fault you for swinging and missing local. That's it. That's not, you're, you're right. Swing, they'll fault you for swinging and missing from a kid from Florida. Yep. It's like, what'd you think was going to happen? He's not staying here. Right, right. I think. So. You're exactly there's right. A, there's a part of that that's uh, really smart. And, um, yeah, a lot of the things he said was uh, were, were great. And uh, got to feel pretty excited about it. Um, I do want to play. We talked to him on the signing day show. So we could play the interview. There was a conversation before that with Luganville that I thought was interesting, uh-huh. too. And then we could react to that and then uh, say Merry Post-Christmas, or I guess Happy Early New Year, I think is where we're at. I think we're, yeah, we're moving on for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> we're moving on to Cincinnati. All right, so here is. Let's play this. This was uh, coming back from break. You, you played again for me? We, we, can you, I'm going to play it again for you. you. Can you play it again for me? We had uh, we were going to have Matt Rule right away. They weren't ready. We were a little early, so we talked first and then talked to Matt Rule. So uh, here you go. Matt Schick, Tom Luganville, and Harry Douglas. Some interesting coaching changes in the Big Ten, but beginning with Nebraska and Matt Rule, a program that has not had a winning season in six years, hasn't won a division title in ten years, been 20 years since they won a conference crown. How would you describe the lift and the work ahead for Matt Rule? Heavy. <laughs> uh, really heavy. And, and I think, you know, it, it all revolves around recruiting. There's no question about that. And those are where the challenges lie as well because of the footprint that they're drawing from in their recruiting pool. You know, you take a look at the state of Nebraska itself and look at the states that border Nebraska. All right, so now you have very, very few top-level prospects that are within a three to four to 500-mile radius that can drive and get on your campus in an unofficial capacity early on in their high school careers. And so, you know, as I look at this job, they're going to have to cast a really, really wide net, and they're going to have to be tireless workers because the goal is to keep up with the competitors that you're expected to compete with on the field for top-level recruits, but you've got to somehow get them on your campus when they're freshmen and sophomores. That's not easy to do at this place right now. I think the regional part is very, very important. And I would even reach out to people who was on the staff of Tom Osborne and Frank Solick and ask those guys, what are some of the things that you did and pitch recruiting-wise? Because the Nebraska Cornhuskers football team has not been anything since those two guys have left from the coaching ranking. So I think regional-wise, how are you going to convince kids to come to Nebraska, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, they've it, got they've got resources. If they, you get them on exactly. campus now, I mean, they've got everything you could possibly want to attract a kid. The only right? thing they don't have is geography. You're, no, you're right. That's it, and that's the one thing you can't control. If you yeah. took if you took Lincoln, Nebraska, popped it up, and put it smack dab in Tupelo, Mississippi, yep. or you're in business, right? <laughs> and that, that, but that's that's the only issue to me. <laughs> yeah, it like, is. It's like, how am I going to convince a kid from Georgia, Florida, Mississippi, mm-hmm. Alabama? You know what? Come up here to Nebraska. You know, away from family. That I think that's the challenge. Well, look at what Minnesota has done. Look at what Wisconsin has done. Look at what Iowa's done. You're talking about developmental programs that have won division titles, that have gotten to the Big Ten championship yeah. game, that have finished nine and three, ten and two. It comes in cycles. Sure. But that these are developmental programs that have shown that you can do it. A program like Nebraska, you would think. Why not us? Well, and on top of that, when we went to the move of allowing official visits in the spring of a prospect's junior year, that should vastly help them. 
to get kids on campus prior to being seniors, all right, and prior to the summertime. Because if you don't get them on campus in an unofficial capacity as a freshman or a sophomore, which is what every major program in America that is successful is doing right now, then it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, I think that Malachi Coleman is a big one. You talk about Dude. a guy six, right down six the street. four, six right five, two hundred and five pounds, a physical specimen that can get the football and, and you know do some damage and make things happen. I think that was a huge commitment for Nebraska. We showed that graphic previously of you know sixteen ESPN three hundred prospects in the state of Nebraska and the bordering states that border Nebraska. Just for reference, the state of Georgia alone has 24 ESPN 300 prospects in one state. You think about it, too. They're getting some, and we look at this map. Nebraska, when they left the Big 12, left the Texas footprint. Mm -hmm. Matt Rule knows the Texas footprint. No he question. has those relationships, hiring a Joey McGuire in the past, Sean Bell, David Wetzel. Those guys, when he was at Baylor, you have to wonder, we'll ask him when he comes on here in a minute, just the importance of that, too, sure. because it's all about relationships, and he certainly has and them. The Maybe they the can day, start rebuilding those Winning bridges. cures everything. Yes, you know does, what I mean? Yeah. You go to winning football games, guys are going to come. Forget regional-wise and w where the school may lay. If you get to winning, guys are going to come there. Well, they're going to come there. And they got name, image, and likeness resources, too. Don't kid yourself. So, I mean, there, there, there are resources in place there for Trev Alberts, for Matt Rule and his staff, to do this and get it done, but it is going to take a tireless effort in player evaluation and recruiting. Yeah, local Omaha Westside track star Jalen Lloyd, Texas track star Bryce Turner. He wants fast guys. He's getting quick guys. Absolutely. Now, can they catch? Can they tackle? You know, that's where the development comes in. He has shown he can do that. Do you believe in the sustainability? Yeah, I think it, I, I do believe in the sustainability and, and to what, what Harris said. You, you need something good to happen early, yeah. right? You, you need to hit on a quarterback early, and then all of a sudden your program escalates quicker and sooner rather than later, and now you start attracting more top-level talent. And that's, I think, the, the key. If he can somehow get the quarterback position in a, in, in a spot to where it, it changes the, the narrative of the program, then you got a chance. Casey Thompson has said he's coming back. Jeff Sims coming in as yep. a transfer from Georgia Tech. We talked a lot about it. Let's talk to the man himself, head coach of Nebraska, Matt Rule, joins us now. Matt, thanks so much for being with us. What was your recruiting plan and blueprint for the three weeks leading up to today. Sprint, <laughs> just <laughs> sprint. You know, it, you know, we went to Baylor. Uh, you know, they only had one commitment, and, and so you know, we're kind of used to this. And I think it's a great opportunity to really you know, watch guys senior tape. You know, kind of the old school way, and see you know who the right fits for us are. But they had done a good job. There were some really good relationships built uh, prior to us getting here, and um, you know, we tried to go out there and, and, and make you know make connections with those guys and. Let them know our plan and see if it fit for them. What is the key to making those connections? For instance, Malachi Coleman, who was committed to Nebraska, decommits. You worked feverishly over the last few weeks, and a very good player out of Lincoln East decides to stay home. How does that happen? You know, I'll say this. Um, I have eight former players of mine on this staff in, in either coaching or recruiting. Um, coming back from the NFL, um, I, I just recognize, you know, I don't care if it's high school college or the NFL, you know, we can talk about transfers and NI and all that stuff. These guys, they all want someone to believe in them. They all want relationships. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to lie to anybody. I've, I've won enough games already. I've, I've made enough money to be comfortable. I'm here just to help young people achieve their dreams. And that's it. And so I'm uh, just trying to be honest with guys, tell them what I think. It's not right for everybody. Some kids didn't come. I wish them the best, but I think we got enough good ones. And, um, you know, I think you'll see some more names come out over the coming weeks. 
Coach, from a, a long-term perspective, as you start to lay out your blueprint with your staff, um, how wide of a net are you going to have to cast in recruiting from a national perspective, given the fact that, you know, traditionally year in and year out, the state of Nebraska isn't going to produce enough players to fuel uh, an upper-tier championship-level program? You know, that's a great question. Um, I think I think we'll always be a national brand. You know, uh, I think you look back to when Coach Osborne was dominating college football. You know, they, they still went to other places to find guys. So we want to be really strong in Nebraska. But, you know, as I look at other schools in the Big Ten, Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, they're all they're all recruiting nationally. Um, we want to be really strong in Texas. I, I love the coaches of Texas. I love the people of Texas. Uh, you know, we, we want to be strong there. We want to be strong here. We want to be strong locally in Kansas City and different places like that. And then historically, um, you know, some of the great players in Nebraska also came from the Northeast. And th- obviously those are places that I've been. So I looked at my unique kind of history of being at Temple, uh, being in Texas, and then obviously uh, here now and thought, you know what, uh, we can really have a concentrated effort. And then we'll go to always go to Florida because uh, I love the way guys from Florida play. Coach, I want to ask you about your quarterback position. You have Casey Thompson, but you just added transfer Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech. What is your mindset behind the two guys? And going into the spring, are you just going to let those guys fight it out and make the best male win? Yeah, you know, uh, you know, Casey, Casey uh, uh, played really well uh, last year, and uh, you know, obviously, you know, had some injuries during the season, had surgery at the end of the year, so you know, he won't be able to participate in spring. Uh, you know, Jeff Collins was, is a is a great friend of mine, and you know, when I was at Baylor, and then in the NFL, watching them play as much as I could, had a chance to really watch Jeff and get to know him. I, I think he's an NFL player. Um, I think he's a, a great person. He's got the great, a great mindset, unlimited skill set. And so, I, you know, my job is always just to put as many good players in the room as possible. Uh, we've got a, a great young mix there, uh, you know, Chubba Purdy, uh, Torres, Harper. There's a bunch of kids there, Logan Smothers, Harper. They, 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 they have talent. Um, Casey's played a lot of football, Jeff's played a lot of football, and if I know one thing, it's it's never a problem to have uh, too many great quarterbacks. Matt, you and Trev Alberts have both emphasized how you want Nebraska to be the premier developmental program in college football. How does a developmental program exist and thrive in a transfer portal world? Yeah, you know, um, young people that are having a good experience, uh, young people that feel themselves getting better and they feel like there's a plan for them, they usually they usually don't uh, transfer. I haven't had I've had very few guys transfer for me over the years. Um, you know, we live in a modern new world. Unfortunately, those people are tampering. People are doing all kinds of stuff they shouldn't be doing. Um, so th- there's going to be some attrition. But you know, as I said to you, my, my job's to my job's to pour into every guy and make sure that every player gets what they need when they're here. And um, if I if I do that, uh, enough guys will want to stay. The the commitment to the facilities. And I'll tell you guys this: when the new facility's done, you need to come out and check it out because. It will be the, the, the premier place, not for recruiting. It'll be the premier place for guys who love football and want to get developed and want to take care of their body and want to be, be great NFL players. And uh, I'm excited, man. I'm really excited about it. I'm excited about what Nebraska can do. Trev's done a great job. $150 million facility opening up uh, just next summer. Uh, we'll end with this. Man, I couldn't help but notice, and you are a very good follow uh, on Twitter. Uh there's recently, you know, a class of 2024 recruit decommitted from another school last week. You tweeted the gif of the undertaker rising off the mat. Perhaps a coincidence there. Uh, but you also seem to like the emoji, frankly, any emoji. Look at these. You got the clock, the stars. You got a ping pong paddle. You got a trophy. You got eyeballs. Uh, you had you, the shushing. You have the shrug. 
Uh, I mean, Matt, how much thought goes into these subtweet emojis and how instrumental is it in your in your repertoire for recruiting? Well, I, I would like to say this because I would never disrespect another school. So I would like to say that when I put the Undertaker out, it's because Jeff Sims had just called me and said he was okay. Coming. All right. So All right. I, I, I was never. I would. Ne- you know, just me. I would be okay. Fine. But it went viral because I went. That, I thought I was talking about something else. Okay. Right. <laughs> um, but no, the the, the, the I got to tell you one story. Malachi got back from Colorado and he came over and uh, uh, came came by the facility Sunday night before it went dead and uh, he had played me in ping pong. We had an elite twenty twenty four local kid come in and play me in ping pong. None of them can beat me. Um, so. Uh, he, Malachi was like, hey, coach, man, hey, tweet out in that language you use. So that's that's the ping pong and all that. But, uh, I, you know, it's, uh, I'm having fun with it. My, my mom calls me and makes me explain everyone to her. So uh, my, my wife is kind of like rolls her eyes. So we're having fun with it. And anything anything we can do to, to be relevant but still be ourselves, we're going to do. Yeah, it's great stuff. Uh, fun to see. And uh, best of luck to you. Matt, thanks so much for uh, making time for us. Congrats on the class, and we'll see you in the spring. Appreciate what you guys do. Thank you. All right, so there's a little uh, there's yeah. a, there's a little bit of Matt Rule. So the Undertaker was about Sims. Let me tell you something. <laughs> I want I need to go back and check the timeline of what happened because I got a text as soon as he said that. I checked my phone. I got a text, and it was from someone who said, "There's no way that was about Jeff Sims. No way." <laughs> I mean, no way. But the beauty of it, though, is a guy committing to you, a transfer portal guy who, frankly, hasn't been that great in college, commits to you, and you're you're a master of gifs and emojis, and yours is to rise up off the mat. Like, uh, I know, like that doesn't even make sense. You know, Uh, what? what? Yeah, no, no way, No no way that's possible. But no, that was good. I mean, like he always is, man. It's just. I thought you asked the the kind of the fundamental crux question for him, you know, just can you you know can the world of being developmental and transfer portal can those things, you know, coexist? I thought his answer was good. I think it's going to be it. I mean, because he's right. Like, I think if players feel like they are getting better and there is a plan for them, you typically aren't going to walk away from that. But I think the key, look at like Dabo, look at like Dabo in, in uh, Clemson. People aren't flocking away from there because it feels like a family. They care and they win. Right, right, and but I also think there's got to be a there still is an element of trust, you know, like mm-hmm. you got to okay, you can feel that you're getting better and say there's a plan for them, but you have to trust that that plan is going to come to fruition, you know, and so it, and I think he even mentioned something in his press conference uh, as well about like what he doesn't want to do is like be developing guy developing guys and then bringing a portal guy over them, you know, so there's also going to be a track record where. He's gonna to have to practice what he preaches too, on and and everybody else can see that. So it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I think there's a world where those two things can can exist. Uh, but it's certainly a. It. I mean, you asked the question. I think for kind of what he kind of the 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 vision that him and Trev cast and the realities of today and those two worlds co- existing together. And I'll say too, the I would pump the brakes on the Jeff Sims stuff. The, re- the reason that it's getting a lot of traction, certainly one of the reasons is because, as he said, Casey's not going to be available in the spring. Yeah, big like deal. That, that's a really big deal for Casey because I do honestly believe if it's, you know, if they're both available, Casey's the guy. Jeff Sims' talent is unquestioned. Like, he's really good. It's more about what's inside of him that's been questioned 
amongst those who cover recruiting, those who are college coaches. I've seen texts from people going, I don't get this Jeff Sims thing. And these are people that are coaches in college going, this doesn't make sense because of what we haven't seen Jeff Sims do. Right. You know, from the, you know, from the gut, the yeah. chest of Jeff Sims, not the talent of Jeff Sims. So I hope he's, you know, he's very talented. But Casey Thompson not being available in the spring, if you want to go get a job, go get it, Jeff Sims. Yeah, no question. And I think that's – it's. Not only is it it's hard for any quarterback to not be in a in a and play in the spring and and be in a good spot to be the starter, but especially for a first year head coach that's going to be you know they're they're installing everything they're trying to probably preach competition all those kinds of things, so it's problematic. I still believe that as long you know who else wasn't available in the spring last spring. Adrian Martinez. You know who else transferred? Adrian Martinez. You know who else started game one for Kansas State this year? Adrian Martinez. So it's not unheard of that a guy is at, misses the spring as you know in, in a new right. situation and can find a way to start. But nevertheless, like it is, uh, it's not ideal. But I think I'm with you in that. Like I would, if I'm a betting man, when Nebraska game one at Minnesota, Casey Thompson is your starting quarterback. I agree. No, I, I agree with that. I think uh, I think we're we're really getting a little in over our skis on the Jeff Sims stuff, but right. the fact is he's Matt Rule's quarterback. You yes. know, I mean he's yes, he's the one quarterback he has signed. So right. uh upperclassman wise. So that that certainly I get I get that aspect of it without question. Quick time out here from the Chicken Nick podcast to tell you about Go Currency. Does your business need easy competitive financing for trucks or equipment? Currency is here to help currency specializes in finding the best available rates and terms for construction equipment farm machinery trucks and trailers in fact customers can get loans for up to five hundred thousand dollars with little or no money down and terms up to 72 months currency can also help if you're getting serious about buying a new or used motorhome fifth wheel or utility vehicle all you got to do just fill out an application and the currency finance team will get to work finding a lender with the most competitive options it's quick, secure, and free to use. Currency is equipment financing made simple. Visit GoCurrency.com for details. Offers may vary and arranged by Express Tech Financing, LLC, DBA Currency, pursuant to CFL license. Hey, quick look at the polls here on the Chicken Nick Show. Uh, we did throw out some polls, and they are brought to you by Aaron Schumacher with Nebraska Realty. Aaron Schumacher is just, you know, she is uh, the gift that keeps on giving in terms of... She can help sell your house. She can help you buy a house. She could help sell the McAllister house. I guarantee you that. Even if you knew what had happened in that house. <laughs> okay, I don't. I don't know if that's going to be her new tagline. But uh, I could sure sell the fine. McAllister house. <laughs> I could sell the McAllister house. Nice grip. Opportunity. I that. You know. Four zero two seven one four five five three nine four zero two seven one four five five three nine. Aaron Schumacher with Nebraska Realty specializes in Omaha, Elkhorn, Gretna, Papillion, Springfield, uh, Louisville, uh, Bennington Valley, <laughs> Waterloo, and you. By the way, continue to tweet I, in the yes, Louis jokes. I want them the all. Louis jokes are just keep them coming. Outstanding. Yes. I want, uh, so is, there you go. Thank you good. very much uh, for that. Let's get to uh, some of these uh, polls here. Again. Follow the Chick and Nick show. These all these polls are on the Twitter account for the Chick and Nick show at Chick Nick Show. That's S C H I C K N I C K S H O W. Uh, we did have these polls out over the last week. <laughs> we did ask you, 
because Ellie French, who uh, does some great TV work at KETV, yep. said one of the biggest compliments as a journalist is when you ask a question and someone responds, that's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then people tweeted it to us going, do you agree, Shikovic? So he said, is it a compliment when you ask a question and someone responds, that's a good question? 78% said yes. I mean, what is your favorite good question that we've that we've had here on the show? Man. I mean, it's hard right now. Tr- the Trev to you, also because it's the most recent. Right. I mean, I got to go back 12 years for my moment in the sun to Brandon Godden. So it's right. almost like, you know... I got a hit song in 1991, and you just got a hit this year. It's like, who's who's better? So at this point, I think just due to recency, yeah, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? Wow, you're pretty good at asking questions, aren't you? That's Trev Alberts to me. I do like this one. This one's a classic. Yeah, that, that's, a great, that's a great question. Yeah, Rich Kypist. Rich Kypist. One of our favorites back in the day at the Omaha yeah. World Herald. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great. That's a great question. We stunned him. Uh, someone tweeted. I feel like some people vote against the grain, so we never have a true one hundred percent poll I, I, on I'm one side. Fu- I'm fully in belief belief of this. So we tweeted. Do some people vote against the grain, so we never have a true one hundred percent vote on one side? Seventy two percent said yes. Yep. See, I would. I mean, even that that should that should have been one hundred percent. We can't even get one hundred percent on that. <laughs> There's no way. You know, we what? haven't had a hundo yet. I'm going to put a question out. I can't even say I'm, – I'm trying to think of the easiest question that should be 100%. Even if you say, is the earth round, there are flat earthers yes. out there. So what, what would be – I don't know. What would, what would be a question? How about, how about this? <laughs> is Matt Rule the head coach of Nebraska? No, because someone might not know that, right? Someone yeah, might not know who's on the social media. Um, is this – how about – is this a Twitter poll? <laughs> I don't know. There it is. Should we just do that? Is this a Twitter poll? Basically, this is the ultimate test. Are you a robot test when you're doing things Uh, on, you know, are you a robot? We want to know, are there people out there? We got to we got to filter out. We got to find the people that are against the grain voters. Well, I could say, are you a human being? But (laughs) I might have some dogs out there. Find the traffic lights. Click all the boxes that have a chimney. You know, all the various robot questions we've received over the years. I love how robots uh, are just like, they're so smart, but apparently that, get you know, like the Bo Pelini robot. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to ask Bo Pelini about the black shirts. Okay, that's fine. Just real quick. A couple pictures here. Which ones are the traffic lights? Oh, God, I've been made. I got to get out of here. <laughs> That is so true. I think robots are stumped by pictures of traffic. I don't understand that. These super smart computer programmers somehow can't, like, that. That that's enough to make people just, all you got to do, ask them where a traffic light is, and they smoke starts coming up. You know what happens when you, ask, when you say, what, where's the traffic light? The robot goes, yeah, that, that's, a great, that's a great question. <laughs> Thank you, Aaron, for sponsoring the book. Playoff coming up this weekend, uh, Nicholas Allenbaugh. I, I don't. Uh, I don't know that there's any situation ever where Ohio State should be getting six and a half points. 
And that's where I like I, I feel like yeah, gun to the head, Georgia wins, right? But right. there's just something about this extra opportunity for Ohio State that it's hard to imagine them squandering it. Does that mean they win? Not necessarily, but I really have a hard time seeing them, you know, getting blown out in this game by a couple of TDs. And now it's hard because your mind can't go away from like what Georgia did to Michigan last year, like just what every, what Georgia looked like in the playoff last year. But every year's different. But I think my my oversimplified, broad thought is there. It seems like there's a non-negotiable level of fellas that you gotta have if you wanna <laughs> you have a prayer against Georgia, right? right. And there are probably only three or four teams that have, even in the conversation vicinity ballpark of fellas that Georgia has, and Ohio State's one of them. And they and they got the firepower to strike and strike quickly through the air. I, yeah, I think Georgia. I'm one, I would one thousand percent bet on Georgia to win, but I'm with I. I I think what if I'm reading I think what you're saying is I, I think Ohio State could make this a little more interesting than you think. I don't think there's any question. And each of the last eight national champions in the playoff era have been a team that was in the top five of ESPN's ten year recruiting average. Yep. Okay. Okay. So Ohio State is one of those. Okay. Georgia's one of those, Clemson, LSU, Alabama. And each of the last nine national champions has had a four-year average recruiting rank in the top ten. TCU and Michigan are outside the top ten. So if this streak continues, it's Georgia or Ohio State. This game, this Peach Bowl, is for the national championship. Like, that's feels like. This feels yeah. like the old Cowboys 49ers NFC championship right. game in the past. Right. Where you win this game, you feel like you're going to beat my Buffalo Bills because all they do is lose. The AFC never won during that stretch. So th- that's what this feels to me. And no, there's really no outcome outside of a blowout either way that would surprise me. Really, yeah. really. Weird. Yeah, I know. It's weird. It's like, I don't know. This doesn't even make sense as I'm about to say it. There's a part of me that feels like, okay, TCU and Michigan might be better teams than Ohio State or had mm-hmm. better seasons than Ohio State. But in, in this sort of scenario – talent typically prevails like team that's what's so unique about the playoff is we have this like a team is about kind of like a 12 to 14 week just march and how good are you week to week and bringing it and dealing with you know what I mean like dealing with injuries and all those sorts of things like there are elements of like a team that matter for that march whereas this is a sprint and in one sprint it's like there aren't too many teams going to be better than Ohio State in that scenario. Yep. So I still think Georgia wins, and I think Georgia's like you said. I think Georgia's going to win the national title, but I'm with you. I, I think it wouldn't surprise me. The winner of this game goes on to beat Michigan or TCU. CJ Stroud has an opportunity to rewrite his Ohio State legacy over the course of two games. That's rare to have that opportunity when your last game you thought that was it and you lost to your rival. Right, right, right. Think about that. that. Maybe that and Matt it, Rule's Undertaker. That's it was for CJ Stroud. That's what. I just want to set the record straight real quick, but the 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 Undertaker was for C.J. Stroud and his getting an opportunity to play in the playoff. <laughs> but the playoff was announced only, weeks before that. Matt it, rule. Yeah. Not only was it not a dig, and Ohio State was to support their quarterback. Not not 
take a shot at their future quarterback decommitting, but their current quarterback yes. getting up off the mat, having a chance. It had, it had something to do with Ohio State and a quarterback. Just We had the wrong guy. It was for Stroud. It was for C.J. Stroud, not for Rail. By the way, Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan had 360 yards of offense on five plays. Yeah. It was all the other balls. 54 snaps, three yards a play. That's crazy. Down to down, this was not, this was a blowout on the scoreboard. Right. Down to down. Right. Ohio State and Michigan are neck and neck, and frankly, if they played again, I'd take the Buckeyes. Like that's just how I how I look at it. Right. Right. But it's one of those things that I think there's something about it that that game has just overinflated how bad Ohio State was that day. Yeah. And and I think we're forgetting that. And so. And and Again. you and there's just there's also the the precursor of what is it Ohio State has now lost to Michigan two times in the past however many years you know twenty, 20 years yeah, whatever right, it is right. so there's like that wind behind the sails of the ship of the sinking ship of Ohio State is also unnecessarily a part of the conversation but it is a part of the conversation by the way I, I also think if I find the whole conversation interesting on how people are literally talking like Ryan Day now because he's lost to Michigan twice is like on the hot seat. And what's amazing is that to think that for till basically 1978 when, when Tom Osborne first beat Oklahoma, that was Tom Osborne's world he lived in. He couldn't beat Oklahoma. And even though he was winning, you know, 9, 10, 11 games and finishing in the top 10, like Michigan, Ohio State right now were a lot like Nebraska and Oklahoma back in the day where your your season, how good of a coach you were, came down to one game. And so it's for kids out there, you want a snapshot of what it was like for Tom Osborne in the early 70s? Look at Ryan Day. Everybody thinks he stinks because he can't beat. I don't know I'm like Lou Holtz, but... <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. This is the John Cooper. Yeah. Where John Cooper was 50 some odd games above 500 at Ohio State. Yet his record against Michigan was 2 10 and 1. So Ryan Day right now is 1 and 2. Yeah. I know it. And they haven't beaten him in two straight four years. Four years. Or four years. Because yeah, yeah. they didn't play in 2020. That's right. That's right. So, so it'll, be four, it'll be four years. By the time they play him again, so but I'm with uh, you. I think there's a there's yeah. a confluence of events, both in the past two decades and with how that game itself unfolded, that probably people have overdone it with how flawed and I'm doing air quote Ohio State is. It's like Marvin Harrison Jr., C.J. Stroud. Like, come on now, these dudes are. They will have. <laughs> these dudes are. They will have like. They will have six of the top uh, six of the ten best players in the playoff. Ohio State will, yeah, on the field, right? Like they, it's just it, it's right there, and and I think what it does is it it's like the first take society that we live in. It diminishes how good Michigan is. Michigan is a really good team, mm-hmm. and every t- you know Ohio State loses, so Mich- Ohio State's in shambles. Ohio State's got a problem. Ryan Day's got to go. It's not uh, not necessarily true. By the way, last thing, the Dylan Rayola. Decommitment. Yeah. Do you feel like the Dion, like, I'm coming? Like, you feel like we're coming? Yeah. Like, you feel like it's inevitable? 
You feel like it's inevitable that he's going to wind up in Lincoln, Nebraska? I I hate to, like, say it with certainty, but, like, it just, come on. It seems like an inevitability to me. Unless it's Alabama, unless it's Georgia, unless it's, like, you know, quarterbacks don't decommit from Ohio State. Yes. That's a paycheck, an NFL paycheck waiting to happen. And, and. Guaranteed. Not only is it an NFL paycheck that you have in your hand, it's also you are going to play with arguably, I'd put Ohio State's wide receiver core year to year up against anybody's. Every, I mean, it's probably it's the, best, the, best. It's the best in college football. And so now, outside, sure, you know, you get your, you know, the LSU had. The LSU. Yeah, you know, you get those. But like year to year, you're going to be throwing to the, the best of the best. So, yeah, like. Here's the I, thing people need to ask themselves about uh, Donovan Royal and the O-line coach being kept on. And people say, well, why else would you keep him? And then they draw the connection to, well, Dylan Rayola, and that's, that's fine. The question needs to be asked, why do you think Scott Frost hired him? Right. Yeah, in the first place. Why do you think Scott Frost hired him? Right. Two coaches now. Two coaches now have hired a guy with limited experience, and then the one year of experience yielded very subpar results. Let me ask you this. If his name is Donovan Rogers, is he the O-line coach? No way in the world. And I get it. Matt Rule can say – I'm not saying what he said about, hey, he was – there are th- he said something about like there are three different ways to t- coach O line. He comes from the same school or background that I do, and how and I and I wanted. To- okay, that's fine. Could be that true. may be that's true. Could I'm be not true. saying that's not true. true. But again, if his name was Donovan Rogers, you you can have the same belief system. You can like his vibe and energy, all that stuff. No way you're keeping him. No, I'm way. only keeping him if the, if his nephew is Dylan Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's our uh, hey, happy new year. It's yeah, been great. Yeah. It's been a great 2022 on the pod. Yes, it has. Thankful to yeah. all of our listeners and uh loyal followers and uh faithful support especially on social media and within this pod and listening. Please rate and review, subscribe, pass along. We just had a tweet just the other day from someone who did not know we were still doing this this show like wait i used to listen to them pass it along to people let it be your jelly of the month club this holiday season. that's it that's it spread the word spread the word so everybody knows okay tyler you happy this pause around i'm not happy about that chicken nick yeah chicken nick yeah chicken nick show yeah here we go yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They went to the first break. That boy was already alone, boy. <laughs> A Huda Media Production.